I'm not gonna be the type of person that runs up in the foyer at church and be hugging and laughing and, you know, shaking hands to everybody. So I don't necessarily show love in that regard, but to um, be able to help work on a widow's house or help somebody that's uh, been ill, uh, take care of their property, serving meals when somebody's passed away or somebody just had a baby or something like that. Um, I, I'm all over that stuff like that. With the weeks coming up into serve, I was really nervous about being a leader because I just didn't know um, my potential in that area. Cole and Caleb, part of our 180 ministry here, really poured out to me and spoke life into me and saw a leader in me that um, could lead these kids well, and I think that just really opened my eyes. Small groups opened a big door for us. The couples we met have invited us to different organizations, to different uh, serve functions, to Muncie Mission, uh, the Secret Santa, Shoes for School, things like that. So in the beginning, uh, we noticed that the leaders of our group were always looking for places to serve. Since we saw our, our small group leaders uh, jumping in and taking that initiative to serve others, it's, it's created the need in, in our own hearts where we want to do the same. It made me feel um, at home in a way. It made me feel like I had found my fit in the church. It made me feel like I um, had a place. I felt like I didn't know where I was going, and I think uh, Serve 2018 gave me that purpose. My life has changed tremendously since I started serving. You no longer get up and think about yourself. The first thing I think about always is Jesus and how can I help others. The more I got involved, the more I realized how many things we're involved with and how much help is really needed. My name is Paul Erminger, and I'm the lead pastor of Gulfside Church here in Cape Coral, Florida, that exists because you sent us out to plant it a few years ago, and God has done amazing things. And for me, the best picture of the Great Commission is when the church is going and sending, not just across states, not across nations, but in their own city, saying, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to make a difference, and I'm going to live the teachings of Jesus Christ everywhere I go. And that's how we fulfill the Great Commission. In our own city, in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, our Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth, this was the heartbeat of Jesus, that we would be a people who go. Good morning, everyone. Isn't it good to see Paul Erminger? Good to, good to catch his face. They're doing such a great job down in Cape Coral. And we're proud of them and excited about what God is doing. It's really very exciting. Uh, today we're at the end of this three-part series that we've been doing on the UC3. The UC3. And you're learning what that is. It's asking everyone who associates with our church to three practices. One is to attend regular worship. That's the know Jesus part. To join a small group, that's the grow part, and to volunteer to serve, that's the go part. So the UC3 is attend services regularly, join a small group, volunteer to serve. We, we know that if you engage those three activities, practice those three things, that it's going to enhance your spiritual life and your influence in the world. It'll make a difference in your life. So we hope that you'll consider that. Today we want to talk about the go part, which is serving either in a ministry within our church or a mission outside of our church, and we hope to encourage and inspire you to, to consider that. Uh, we're going to use as our text this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read beginning at verse 7. 
And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Obviously, we'll project the words on the screen. Let me just give you a heads up about next week. We're going to begin a series next week entitled God and Your Bod. God and Your Bod. And this is what it's about. It's about understanding God's creative design and purpose for the human body, our physical body. We live in a world now, a culture, that treats sex, treats gender, treats marriage as if it's a commodity. You know, something you go in the store and pick off a shelf. So the thing missing in the church and in the wider culture is a better understanding of God's original design, creative design and purpose for the human body. And we're going to talk about those wonderful aspects of, of why God has made us the way we are beginning next week. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be helpful to you, I think. All right. So today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's talk about serving, if we can, serving others. Our custom is to stand to hear God's word. I invite you to do so as you're able. This is the Apostle Paul now writing to the church at Corinth. Verse 7, now to each one, each one, that includes you and me, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, really, that's all we need today. Every one of us, each one of us has been given capacity, abilities, gifts, talents by the Holy Spirit, each one of us, so that we can serve one another for the common good. That's the basis. Now, here's some examples. This is a list of some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's uh, one of the lists. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of languages, tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of those. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He, the Spirit, distributes them to each one just as He determines. So may God inspire and instruct us through His Word today. You may be seated. Thanks so much. My paternal grandfather uh, was, was a, a bit of an old sage and... I lived very close to him when I was growing up, so one day when I was just a little squirt, I was hammering nails into an old two-by-four, and he happened by, and he said, you know the best way to drive a nail? And I said, no, what's the best way? And I thought, this is going to be helpful because my nails were all bent over, and you know, it's hard for me to do it as maybe a four- or five-year-old. And he said, the best way to drive a nail is to hit it on the head. <laughs> Any questions? That's, that's pretty practical advice, isn't it? One day he was uh, sharpening, sharpening a saw blade in his, in his garage. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm sharpening a saw blade. He said, if you, keep your, if you keep your saw blade sharp, then the saw will do the work for you. And there's a whole sermon series there, right? Then one day he, uh, he held up a carpenter's pencil. He said, you know, you see the carpenter's pencil's flat. He said, do you know why a carpenter's pencil is flat? And I thought for a minute, and I said, and then this light bulb came on. I said, I know. It's so when you hook it in your ear to carry it around, it'll stay better on your ear. 
I thought I had the answer. He goes, well, that may be helpful, but he said, the real reason it's flat is so if you're up on the roof doing some roofing, it won't roll off the roof. That was really helpful. And as it turns out, a carpenter's pencil then is actually designed, watch it now, designed with a purpose. And we have much in common with a carpenter's pencil because we, you and I, each one of us have been designed with purpose in mind. And so the question is asked as the first point in your outline, you might want to write this down, why am I here? Why am I here? There, there are two big, re, two big days in your life. The, the most important day in your life is the day that you were born. And the second most important day in your life is the day when you figure out why you were born. It's a big question. Very important answer. And we know that one of the reasons why we're all born is so that we can be meaningfully helpful to people around us. Galatians 1.15, God in his grace chose us before we were born, called us to serve him. Yeah, there it is. But you are the ones chosen by God, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he's made in your life, 1 Peter 2. So we know that one of the primary purposes of our lives is to serve, serve others. That's why I'm here. Here's the second point. Write this down. We're making good progress, right? The second point already. What gets in the way? What gets in the way of fulfilling that part of our purpose? Well, there's some common responses, statements, excuses that people made. One is that I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Maybe you've said that in your life. We're always looking for efficiencies because we're so crowded with our schedules and compressed. And, and maybe, maybe that's a reason why you don't volunteer to serve. You're just too busy. How many of you remember the shampoo product called Pert Plus? Pert Plus. So you have to be a little older. I don't even know if they still sell that stuff. Do they still sell it? Larry, Larry uses it. So, so here's what happened. With, see, I'm no longer conversive on, on hair care products. It's, it's totally irrelevant. So I don't, even, I don't know what's... I have no idea. I couldn't name one. one I who knows? So, but Pert Plus... Back in the day, when it came on the market, immediately shot to the best-selling shampoo product, hair care product in America. And the reason for it is because it was the first time that they combined shampoo and conditioner in one bottle. And people loved it. And people thought, look at this. With one application, I can do both. I can save maybe 30 seconds getting ready in the morning, just use this product. So it was very, very popular. People just going faster and faster. Domino's Pizza, you know, their, their alma mater, if you don't get it in 30 minutes or less, it's free. Now they've gone to filling potholes in the streets of areas that are heavily trafficked by the Domino's Pizza people. And so they want to get that pizza to you and right now. Back in the 70s, uh, there was a cultural shift that affected all of us in the way we get food. We originally called food good, good food, and then it was cheap food. But in the 70s, it became fast food. And, and now you can, in your minivan, take your whole family, drive up to a window and get your food and eat in your minivan as God intended. <laughs> and, it, 
And it, it's the gift that keeps on giving because two weeks later, you can be hauling your kids to soccer practice and one of the little guys in the back goes, I'm hungry. And you just go, just reach between the seats and there's French fries in there. They're still good. Go ahead and munch on those. I mean, those French fries will last forever. We're not sure why, but they do. Hmm. Yeah. So everybody's in a hurry and it tends just to just to pressurize our lives and add stress to our lives, and maybe we just need to slow down. If we say I'm too busy, maybe we should seek God's agenda first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things that we're chasing, that we're in the rat race, you know, we're like a gerbil in a cage, just running, running the wheel, trying to grab for something. And the scripture teaches us to slow down and seek God. Seek him first, Matthew 6.33. Another reason why we tend to get uh, sabotaged with our serving is we say, I'm not qualified. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? Well, I'm not qualified to do that. I, I couldn't possibly minister to that age group or, or provide help in that category because I'm, I'm not qualified. God's reminder to us is that we should rely on his strength. The Bible actually teaches us that God's strength is perfected made perfect by our weakness. So the great apostle Paul, he ends up saying, look, I would rather glory in my weakness so the strength and power of God could be manifest in my life. It's really, really interesting. I'm not qualified. Years ago, we, uh, before we had any staff, you know, Beth and I were the, were the staff, we were the uh, children's pastor, the youth pastor, the connections pastor, the secretary, the, uh, the greeters at the door, all that, the custodian. <laughs> we, were, we were everything the church was. And we decided we were going to uh, take the youth group, because we were the youth pastors, on a canoe trip, so a three-day trip. And we'd been saving up money for many months at the church to buy a bus, our first church bus. And we paid $1,800 for an old used school bus uh, with a six-speed ma uh, manual transmission and air brakes. You know, you had to pump the brakes. You got to pump up the pressure so you get the bus to stop. And we got it painted. We put a $200 paint job on the bus. I, I remember these numbers because it was a lot of money for us at the time. And we had the bus delivered at the church back in the day. And our parsonage, the church-owned home that we lived in, was a mile from the church. And so they delivered the bus one, uh, one afternoon. And the next morning before we left on the canoe trip, I drove the bus that one mile from the church up to the parsonage where we were gathering to leave. And there was about 30 high schoolers that were going to go on this canoe trip and we were all unloading this bus this new bus and we were all excited and one of the parents walked up to me and said uh, you do have experience driving a school bus don't you now this was back before you had to have a special license if you had a valid driver's license you could drive anything and I looked at the father and I said oh yeah I drove the bus a mile from the church up to the parsonage I got it <laughs> and his eyes got big. <laughs> he swallowed hard as his teenage son got on the bus. And we had a great time. The second night, the second night we were staying in a place where there was a lower level, a basement, and then an upper level. And we had the boys in the basement, the girls up in the upper level. And we were tired from a long day. And so everyone got to sleep and we were all completely asleep. When suddenly one of the boys... 15 years old, woke up screaming, screaming. I mean, it was very startling 
very dramatic. And we've turned the lights on. This kid is screaming and flailing and scratching at the side of his face. He, now, he was one of these kids, maybe you've raised one or you have one in your house right now, that when they go to sleep, they're just this side of dead. It's like coma sleeping. I'm sure there's some kind of medical condition for it. But this kid was kind of half asleep, half awake. He wasn't really awake. And he was out of his mind. And we would try to comfort him and console him and kind of wipe his face a little bit. This is, this is, this is all under this subject, I'm not qualified. And, and everybody, you know, the girls were down in the basement. Everybody's just... Cause this, and, and he'd calm down, and then we'd you know, shine a light and try to look in his hair, look in his ear, what's going on. And, and then suddenly he would just, he would go off again, and he would start screaming. We didn't know. We didn't know whether to call 911 or perform an exorcism. You know, ooh, the, he's got the devil. Oh, we don't even know what's happening. And it, it was just shocking. <laughs> One of, the, one of the volunteer leaders finally said, you know, what if we poured some rubbing alcohol on his ear? If there's something in his ear, maybe that'll flush him. <laughs> now, please brace yourself. Brace yourself. Get ready to be creeped out. Are you braced? You ready? Fair warning. <laughs> Plug your ears if you don't want to have this experience. <laughs> We poured rubbing alcohol in his ear, and immediately a roach about an inch long came backing out of his ear canal. Uh-huh. It, was, it was really creepy. And so we got that out of his ear and, you know, tried to calm him down. He got better. We wiped his face. He never did wake up. Not completely. Yeah. The next day, we asked him if he remembered, and he said just vaguely, had any memory of it himself. What? You put us through this? You don't remember? Anyway, so we got everybody calmed down. In the, in the meantime, we, we found a bag of cotton balls, and everybody stuffed their ears with cotton balls. It's the only, it's the only way we're going to get anyone to go back to sleep. So everyone stuffed their ears with cotton balls. I did too. I mean, I, nobody needs that. And so 20 minutes, 30 minutes passed, the lights are all down, everybody's quiet, everybody's back to sleep. We had a couple of boys on the trip, and they were first cousins, and, and they were pranksters, and they were laying next to each other on that, on that floor, and one of them had a little string about this long, and he waited till everybody was completely asleep, and especially his cousin right next to him, and so when he knew his cousin was asleep, he just took that string and raked it across his ear. And then we all got to get up again and have another party <laughs> because it was wild again. <laughs> I'm talking about not being qualified for stuff. I, sometimes you just, you got to deal with what's ever in front of you, you know? God leads you into a certain ministry and you just cope with whatever God gives you. So you rely on God's strength. You rely on God's strength. Another common statement we have that keeps people from serving well is that I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Have you ever felt that? Ever thought that? I'm afraid to fail. I volunteered once. It didn't work out. I was embarrassed. 
I've been hesitant to try to do anything again. I'm afraid of my past. I'm afraid that things I've done, choices I've made disqualify me from serving. I'm afraid someone will find out. They'll tell me I can't participate anymore. And those are, those are real things that people have to overcome. But the reminder that God gives us is that if we overcome our fears, we can actually trust God's plan. We can trust him to take care of us no matter what he calls us to, if we can just get over and get around our fears and to trust God and his plan. Ephesians 2, God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us new people so that we would do good works. And God planned in advance. Do you hear that? Planned in advance those good works for us. So we can actually trust God's better plan and overcome our fears. When I was 18 years old, a senior in high school, I'd been a Christian for about two years, and I was in a senior speech class in high school. Had about 30 cronies, classmates in the speech class. How many of you have ever taken a speech class? How many of you, that makes you feel nervous and nauseous just thinking about it, just remember? <laughs> because one of, the, one of the assignments in speech classes is to give a speech. The two greatest fears in human experience, the number one fear, this is universally true for humans in all places in all times, is the fear of death. And the second greatest fear in the human experience is the fear of public speaking, standing up in front of someone and, and talk. And mo most people suffer real fear uh, around the idea of trying to stand up and talk in front of people. So speech class, you know, that's intimidating all by itself. And the assignment was to give a five-minute speech on any subject that you came up with. And so we were working our way through the class and Several students had given their little five-minute speech, and, you know, and it was, you tried to be supportive, but you couldn't help but laugh sometimes and go, you know, at people for what they were saying. It's the reason why people are afraid of public speaking, because of the response that you get. And, and, it's, and it can be devastating. Well, the night before I was scheduled to give my speech, I had this thought come through my mind. I had some goofy speech planned about some inane subject, and this thought came to my head, and, I, and it was like God was saying, rather than giving five minutes to that, why don't you take your five minutes and tell everybody about your faith in Jesus? And I went, no. No, I'm not going to do that. Now, imagine this, 18 years old, and you sense that God wants you to stand up in your high school speech class and share your faith in Jesus. And I... I just thought that was the worst idea I could imagine. I mean, what, whatever reputation you had before that, whether it was good or bad, and it's gone after that. I mean, there's no hope for you. And you can't just go around, and it may not be appropriate. Maybe the teacher will stop you. Yeah, you can't talk about that in class. There was all kinds of issues. So I just, I just thought, man, that's, that's a bad idea. But as the night went on, I could not shake it. And so by the, by the morning, it was like, I can't do anything else in this speech class but this. And so I had to decide whether or not I was going to place my trust in God or not. 
Because there's a thousand reasons that would make you afraid and anxious and reluctant to engage in that kind of activity under those circumstances. And so I had to overcome my fears. And so that morning I stood up and I said, you know, I was going to talk about this, but instead I, I just feel like I need to tell you my story. And I had a little outline in my head, and so this is what I was going to do. I was going to take a couple of minutes to tell everybody about what my life was like before I met Jesus. I was going to tell them how I encountered Jesus and how he met me in my life. And I was going to take a couple of minutes just to tell them basically how my life had been since I'd said yes to Jesus Christ in my life. So just a very simple outline, and that's what I did. And I got about halfway through it, and I felt myself sweating, you know, beads of sweat. I felt myself anxious and nauseous and afraid. And I'm sure it wasn't coming out very well. I was just doing the best I could. And something happened. Let me tell you what happened. I got about halfway through that little speech, you know, just within a couple of minutes, the Holy Spirit of God, listen to me, God's listening to me right now. I have to give an account for what I say, just like you. The Holy Spirit of God settled into that speech class. And over in this side of the room, a girl started to cry. And then over there, another girl started to cry. And in the middle and on this side, and pretty soon there were seven or eight girls in, in the class who were outwardly weeping. I mean, it's in the room. You could hear them crying, weeping in the room. The teacher was visibly moved. I can still see his face right now when I close my eyes and see him completely flummoxed by the moment. You could just read on him, what is, what is going on? What is happening here? How, how do you respond to this? He had no context for what was happening. <laughs> no one did. I just thought, this is really interesting. And so I, I get finished up my remarks and I said, you know, if you would like to know more about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you know, I'll be glad to talk to you after class out in the hall. And so the class was dismissed. He dismissed the class early because, I mean, it, it, it was completely altered. I went out in the hallway, three of these girls that were very emotional. I stood there with them and I led them all to Jesus. I said, you can know Jesus right now. I just prayed with them. A few years ago, Beth and I went to our 40th high school class reunion. Now, I know you don't believe that. You, you're assuming I got the number wrong. He meant 20. It was actually the 40th. And it's interesting, when you go to your 40th high school class reunion, everybody there is old. <laughs> They've all changed. Good thing for name tags. And we were there just having casual conversation with folks, and a woman walked up to me. I recognized her by her name tag. <laughs> she walked up to me, and she said, Greg, do you remember in high school speech that day you shared your testimony about your faith? And I said, yes, I remember that. 
She said, I have never forgotten that. I preached a sermon not long ago, and I, and I said it this way. We have no idea what Almighty God might do from one simple act of obedience. We have no idea what God might do. Through the simplicity of saying yes, overcoming the excuses, overcoming the fear, and simply trusting God's plan. Here's the third point. I'll make it really quick. This, this is when am I rewarded? This is just a reminder that you do get rewards when you serve. Peter actually asked Jesus face to face. He said, Lord, you know, we've given up everything to follow you. What's in it for us? And rather than Jesus looking at him going, hey, dopey, <laughs> it's not about you. He was very gracious with Peter. And he said, look, there's all kinds of benefits. There are benefits here and there are benefits later. And it's a good thing. That's why Galatians 6 reports, so don't get tired of doing what's good. Don't get discouraged and give up because we're going to reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. And so the promise is that when you serve, God will bless you, bless you with, with significance, bless you with fellowship with other partners and team members. He will bless you with affirmation. Look what God has done through you. And it's very encouraging, very inspiring, very affirming. And all of these things work, and not to mention the fruit that is produced by the actual service itself, the, the special ministry that you provide. And so there are all kinds of temporary benefits to serving, and then, of course, in eternity, there's rewards as well. So that's when it happens. Here's the last point. How do I get started? How do I get started? Four things I want to share with you if you're interested in getting started. Number one, give your life to Christ. If you are not a Christian, if you're not a person who said yes to Jesus and received his gift of life and forgiveness, then that's the first step. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Christ. You say, why? that's, duh, common sense. Why, why do you say that? Because the first person that we led to Christ at Union Chapel many years ago, the first guy that we led to Jesus in our church had been a member of the church and in the highest levels of leadership in our church for 40 years. He chaired everything in the church. He taught Sunday school for 40 years. Watch it. He didn't know Jesus. And, so, and I said to him, you know, your, your public ministry will be greatly enhanced if you know Jesus. And he said, you're right. And so he came to Jesus. It was great. Amazing story. So if there are a lot of people in our world today who in the name of Jesus are serving, you know, feeding the poor, giving a cup of cold water, clothing the naked, medicating the sick, calling on the prisoners, all the, all the Christian stuff. There are lots of people in our world, believe me, who are doing Christian-like service. They don't know Jesus. So think of the advantage of doing the Jesus stuff if you actually know him. Come to Christ. That's the first step. Come to Christ. It'll, it'll change your perspective completely. Give your life to Christ. Then another thing is you can give in to God's agenda for your life. God has a purpose. You've been designed 
specifically. You've been wired. You've been shaped you, because of your experiences and your personality and your, and your, and your inclinations. All of those things God will combine, uniquely equipping you to serve in particular areas where God has gifted you to make a difference. And so give in to God's agenda for your life. Then give up some things that you really don't need to be doing. If you're a person who says, look, Pastor Greg, I do not have room in my schedule for one more thing. Not one. If I do one more thing, I'm going to implode. That'll be it. Well, listen to me. If you are too busy to actually employ yourself in your God-given purpose and reason to be alive, then you'll be too busy. You need to discard things that aren't as important so that you can give yourself to the higher purposes of God. So give up some things that really don't need to be in your life. And then the last thing, give out. Give out to your service. So give, give in to God's agenda. Give up the things that you need to set aside and give out in service to others. And it'll make a difference. Let me tell you one more story. I'll let you go. A few years ago, I read this story. It was very inspiring to me. I hope it will be to you. It comes from uh, one of the public school systems in, in the inner city of a larger city in our country, and the program was a beautifully conceived program which allowed teachers in the school corporation in the grade school level to become tutors or mentors for children who are hospitalized and away from their classroom because of illness or injury. And so these teachers would volunteer to go to the hospital with uh, special assignments from that classroom teacher to help coach the kids along and tutor them along so they wouldn't fall too far behind while they were hospitalized. Isn't that a beautiful idea? What a great idea. And so on one occasion, the teacher went to the home room teacher of this young boy, grade school age, who was in the hospital and got the assignment. And his teacher said, we've been studying nouns and adverbs. And so this is the lesson plan. So go to the hospital and just coach him up on his nouns and adverbs. And that'll keep him from falling too far behind. The teacher went to the hospital, met a nurse before she went in, and the nurse reported to the teacher that this little boy was in critical condition. He had been severely burned. We do not expect him to live. The teacher was shocked by that. She had no idea the condition this boy was in. And so she said, well, is it appropriate for me to go in? with?" And, and the nurse said, sure, go on in. He'll probably respond to you. And the teacher went in, introduced herself, and the little boy was responsive to her. And so she spent 20 minutes talking about nouns and adverbs. And she felt very awkward about it. It was very painful for her to be there and see this boy suffering like this. And so after 20 minutes, she left. The next day, she went back because she was on call that week. And she went back to the boy and the nurse caught her at the door. And the nurse said to her, what did you say to him? What did you talk about with him yesterday? And immediately the teacher began to apologize because she felt awkward and felt bad for this child. And, and she just assumed she'd done something wrong. And the nurse said, no, no, don't apologize. 
Because since your visit last night, he has turned completely around. Today, he's responding to treatment. His attitude is different. He's behaving today and has all day as if he's going to live and not die. What did you say? And the teacher said, I didn't say anything. I just told him about nouns and adverbs. When the little guy finally got out of the hospital weeks later, they asked him, what was the turning point? Because you didn't look so good there for a while. And he said, he said the, the turnaround was when that teacher came and taught me about nouns and adverbs. He said, I figured, why would the school send a teacher to my room to teach me about nouns and adverbs if they thought I was going to die? Why would they do that for a dying boy, he said. So he said, I figured if the school was expecting me to live, maybe I'm going to live. So he said, I just decided from then on I was going to live. We don't know, do we, what one small act of kindness will do, what one word of affirmation, what one simple touch of compassion might do. You say, oh, I'm, I'm too busy. I'm not qualified. I'm afraid. While God is saying, no, no, I've given you purpose. I've given you opportunity. And each one of us then is called in a purposeful way for the common good. And may God inspire us to pick up his best plan for our lives and to follow for that common good. Amen? Let's pause and pray just for a moment. Lord, we thank you this morning for this simple message, the simple reminder that it is to us that you have placed your hand on each one of us so that we might be useful, meaningful, helpful in the lives around us for the common good. So I pray that you would inspire us today. You challenge us. That maybe we do. We do need to give in to your call to maybe give up some things that are crowding out the more important and then to actually give ourselves in service to others. So help us, God, to find our place, to find our fit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, as you know, we've got, we've got an expo, a serving expo going on out in the cafe. So there's no closing song today. This is the end of the service, but here's the deal. You have to walk slowly as you walk out so that you can interact with people who are looking for people to serve in that category, that area of the church. And as you do, God will bless you. So have a great day. Thank you so much.